Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Front Gospel Studios here in Detroit. And soon it'll be back to our regular The Drunk Gossip Studios in New York. Um, I don't know quite when, but it, it's heading that way. Um, you know, things happen, and my... My stay in Michigan ended up being extended longer than I anticipated. Longer than anyone anticipated, really. But, you know, it's all good. Um, I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna have Will start preparing for his epic return to the show. Um, he hasn't been featured on the show in more than a month, and that's just not okay. <laughs> um, so, um, there's all that. But right now, let us focus on let us focus on What's happening in the world? They say that the only inevitable things in life are death and taxes. And Todd Chrisley is learning that the hard way. So, you all know I don't watch reality shows. But there are so many people around me who love Todd Grizzly. Like, I at least knew who he was. And yesterday, I noticed that he was trending on Twitter. So, curiosity got the best of me. And I clicked on it. And I kept saying that, you know, he was in trouble with the tax man. And I thought to myself... He's not a real housewife. Why is he in trouble with the tax? So I, I started digging a little deeper. And I really came to the conclusion that this is going to be an epic, epic fallout story. Like, this is a career-ending story right here. So, um, Todd and his wife, Julie, were indicted on 12 counts of tax evasion and fraud. Um, and then in, in a press release... Um, prosecutors say Todd and Julie Chrisley are charged not only with defrauding a a member of banks by fraudulently obtaining millions of dollars in loans, but also with allegedly cheating taxpayers by actively evading paying federal taxes on money they earned. Celebrities face the same just as everyone else does. These are serious federal charges, and they will have their day in court. A simple, you know, we're looking for our day in court, or, you know, this is all a mistake, would have sufficed. But no. Todd Crisley took a page out of Donald Trump's book, and has created this whole elaborate, Storyline. And he's, I'm going to read his exact words to you in just a minute. But, I mean, he when he denied it, he really went in. And one of the things that you learn as a writer and as a... Especially if you're writing mysteries. Are the really good liars don't give away too much detail. So I'm going to read his statement and let you judge for yourself. Here's what he said. 
I've never talked about this publicly before, but there's been a cloud hanging over Julie and me and our entire family for the past seven years. In which she goes on to say that a former employee has handed over forged documents to federal authorities. He he illegally bugged our home. Needless to say, we fired the guy and took him to court, and that's when the real trouble started. To get revenge, he took a bunch of phony documents to the U.S. Attorney's Office and told them that we had committed all kinds of financial crimes, like tax evasion and bank fraud. That got their attention all right. But once we had a chance to explain who he was and what he had done to us, they realized it was all a bunch of nonsense and they sent him on his way. Here's the thing now. This is not the first time they've been in trouble with finances. Um, Page 6 says it was 2017 that they were in trouble again. And filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Oh, I'm sorry. It was in 2017 that they were being investigated for tax evasion. Um, because they had filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy in 2012. His lawyer at the time said he guaranteed a real estate development loan and it failed. He was on the hook for $30 million. If he hadn't had that happen, he would have been fine financially. And prosecutors uh, say that uh, Todd and Julie used much of the proceeds for their own personal benefits um, from the numerous bank loans by providing the banks with false information such as financial statements containing false information and fabricated bank statements when applying for and receiving millions of dollars in loans. In 2014, two years after the alleged bank fraud scheme ended, Todd and Julie Chrisley allegedly used fabricated bank statements and a fabricated credit report that had been physically cut and taped or glued together when applying for and obtaining a lease for a home in California. Um, so this is... Um, and then the, t- the prosecutor said Todd and Julie Chrisley did not timely file income tax returns for 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016, or pay timely, timely pay federal income taxes for any of those years. Instead, the Chrisleys in Tarantino allegedly took steps to obstruct IRS collection efforts, which included hiding income lying to third parties about their tax returns, and in Tarantino's case, lying to FBI and IRS CI agents. Chrisley finished his Instagram post by saying, I'm telling you this now because we have nothing to hide and have done nothing to be ashamed of. Not only do we, not only do we know we've done nothing wrong, but we've got a ton of hard evidence and a bunch of cooperating witnesses that proves it. So, um, NBC Universal didn't, um, respond for a request for a comment, um, and it's probably because Chrisley Knows Best is not currently in production, so they're probably waiting to see what happens, and it just goes away by itself. But, it's, it's really intriguing and I'm just going to say this. Something's not right in the water down there. Um, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you something doesn't feel right. Um, obviously, we'll stay on top of the story. And as soon as anything else breaks, I will bring it to you. And I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, the National Enquirer has had 
quite the year um, from being implicated in a potential um, campaign finance crime for buying stories and killing them about then-presidential candidate Donald Trump to blackmailing Jeff Bezos to try and force him into um, saying what they wanted. Uh, the, the tabloid has really had quite the... Um, quite the troubling year, to say the least. Well, now, former editor David Levine is writing a book. Unfortunately, it's not about the turbulent year or a defense of the National Enquirer's practices um, under... Uh, David Pecker, uh, and I'm sorry, the the author's name is Barry Levine, not David Levine. I was thinking David Pecker. Um, Oh, these mistakes happen sometimes. So Barry Levin wrote this book. David Pecker was um, the former publisher of the National Enquirer. Um, and Pecker was the one who put out the orders to get these stories and kill them about Donald Trump. They were buds and whatever until uh, Pecker turned on Trump when facing some very serious charges. And Levine signed a deal with Hatchet Book Publishing Company to write a tell-all tome. Well, it's not really a tell-all tome. Um, it's... But it's definitely going to be a scandalous look um, at Donald Trump's relationships. Um, right now it's called All the President's Women. How... Um, hold on. I just had the... the exact title for you. All the President's Women, Donald Trump and the Making of a Predator. And this is going to be hella good. Because not only does Levine have the reporting done at the National Enquirer under his belt, but apparently there's groundbreaking original reporting involved as well. Now, what does this all mean? It means that it means that Trump is about to throw a hissy fit and will probably try to do something in an effort to change the narrative. Barry Levine will be called a loser. He will be called untruthful. He will be called a liar. He will be called anything it takes to get... Um, to, to discredit and... Um, throw, throw into question the validity of the book. He will do everything short of suing. Why won't Donald Trump sue? The answer actually comes down to a very simple law. In order to sue for defamation, you have to prove that they've damaged your reputation and that the author purposely put out misinformation without verifying. Now, some people some people argue oh 
you know, these women suffer them for money, or they did this, or they did that. Nobody's arguing, at least as far as I know right now, there's no argument that the sex was consensual. What they're arguing is he uses his power and influence to a degree. Um, not even to a degree. He uses his power and influence and money to get what he wants. He admitted it on that Hollywood Access tape. He said, when you're a star, they let you do it after referencing and saying that he could go up and kiss any woman he wanted. So, um, obviously the making, the the writing of this book um, is nearly complete. I believe it's due out fairly soon. October 22nd. And while there's no there there's nothing that has stated for sure um that Levine used some of the catch and kill stories that um happened I don't think we can ever actually really doubt that um that he did um there was a Cameron Google story the Stormy Daniel story um, you know, and if you really look at it, um, Trump went after Michael Avanti, but he didn't really, at least as far as I remember, he didn't go that hard at Stormy Daniels. She went hard at him, but he didn't really go that hard at her. He was angry with her for sure. Um, and we need to question why that is. I'm sure we are going to have much, much, much more um, about this book as it gets closer to release. So I will bring it to you as soon as that happens. But for right now, I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I'm back. From one billionaire misbehaving to another who misbehaved and is now dead. (laughs) The Jeffrey Epstein story is steeped in conspiracy theories. Um, There was one headline, and I wish I could remember the publication, um, but unfortunately I don't. I was flipping through Apple News, and... I, the headline caught me, but I didn't catch the publication. But it was basically um, Jeffrey Epstein's death is the conspiracy theory, or is a gift to conspiracy theorists for our generation. And it's completely correct. We um, on Monday we talked about how Epstein was found dead and how he has taken to um uh, how he, how he was found dead and how people have launched into a million different conspiracies Well, what will certainly be the new linchpin to these conspiracies is the fact that 4chan was actually the first to report the news. Uh, For quite, quite a while, ABC News and the reporter was the first one to, um, report on what happened. However, there was a post on 4chan 38 minutes before the first verified tweet went out about Jeffrey Epstein committing suicide. 
And according to, um, according to that post, it was, don't ask me how I know, but Epstein died an hour ago from hanging, cardiac arrest. Screen cap this. And that was posted alongside the image of Pepe, the green frog that has, um, that the right wing has adopted as their mascot. Um, and then, Aaron Katersky, um, the reporter for ABC, posted his, posted the news at 8.54, and at 9 o'clock in the morning, ABC posted their, the full article. Um, but whoever the poster was, actually went into more detail um, talking about how they tried to resuscitate him. Um, they talked about how um, they talked about how um, the revival techniques including calling and asking asking medical professionals for permission to use sodium bicarb, um, taking Epstein to the hospital to try to resuscitate him. Um, in the prison, they tried for 40 minutes. At the hospital, they tried for 20. And... Um... Uh, yeah, so, um, Dr. Keith Wesley told BuzzFeed, this sounds like standard American Heart Association guidelines, which most EMS agencies use. Um, Wesley also said, telemetry implies the paramedics were in contact with Medical Control Hospital, who then gave orders to give sodium bicarbonate, bicarb, which is designed to reverse the acid buildup in the blood from prolonged cardiac arrest. Uh, He also added, if one of the medics posted this separately, that's a breach of protocol. If there was identifying information on the patient, that is a violation of federal HIPAA law. Um, but, you know, overall, this, I, it really seems like this post was designed to keep the conspiracies going for quite a while. And really, honestly, I don't see a big reason why... Um, that would happen. Now, there are ways where um, investigators and whomever can find out who posted this by looking at an IP address and all of that hoopla. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, Will believes... um, I shouldn't say he believes, but... When Will and I discussed this, um, he seemed to think that it might have been one of the prison guards. Uh, And I told him that didn't really make sense. Um, But if we're going with the conspiracy route, how do we know it didn't come from Epstein himself? I mean, if if we're going to believe this and... One of the conspiracies is that Epstein is still alive. Um, there's no reason why we should believe that. Um, he would um, post something like this in order to keep uh, everything up in our arms. Uh, you know, 
And it's funny that the 4chan post came out as the the narrative shifted from uh, Epstein, Epstein actually passing away, to um, the protocol surrounding the um, prison. The warden has been reassigned to in the, another... And at least one of the guards that was on duty that night has been placed on suspension. And you can make of that what you will at this point. But what I'm going to make... I I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I'm going to take a break and I will be right back. And I'm back. So... I, for whatever reason, uh, not whatever reason, I'll tell you why in a second. I actually do know the reason why I'm in this mood. Um, but I've been in a mood um, for marketing lately. Um, now, I don't have my degree in it or anything like that. Um, everything I know about marketing, I've learned through the generosity of others. Um Either through the, um, either through the group on Facebook called Twenty to Fifty K, or um, by going to different conferences and picking up what you know what what works and what doesn't work. And so the reason, the reason why, um. I've been really into it. Uh, the reason why I've been really into it lately um, is because I was helping Will, as we talked about yesterday, um, market his first article, the case for uh, <laughs> the case for banning loot boxes. It's his very first article published on Vocal, so please go read it. Um, but I, I was helping him put together a social media campaign for that. And... Uh, you know, one of the things I did tell him is... You have to have patience. Um... You know, things don't happen overnight. Um, you know, especially for a first-time author, it, it takes a little bit of time. But... With that, the payoff is usually really good. Now, marketing an article is not the same as marketing a book. With the article, you're trying to get people to read it. I mean, the goal is the same. You want people to read your book, and you want people to read an article. But, um, with a book, you want them to not only read it, but you want them to buy it. That You want them to put down their hard-earned money and buy a copy of the book. So, how do you make this happen? It's not as easy as people think it is. I start promoting my books super duper early um usually when they're in the first draft phase how do i do this um if it's inspired by a real a real life um event i'll start by writing an article about that event to gauge the interest 
Now, there are some things that um, you really have to market towards your intended audience. Like the Beverly McKenzie story. Um, that would... I would totally market that towards soap fans. My book, One Death to Live, um, was being marketed towards soap opera fans. Because... Because, yeah, like, you know, that's who I think would enjoy the book. Um, soap opera fans and fans of absurdist humor. Um, so yesterday, I wrote an article. It's 1,500 words, and it's called The Good Side of Evil. And it is about... John Holmes, the porn star, and his role in two related crimes. The first was a heist to steal um the first was a heist to steal drugs, money, and other valuables from notorious drug dealers Eddie Nash. And then the second was the Wonderland mass murder. Um, which Eddie Nash forced John Holmes to watch. And... So, for for a very long time, I just kind of um, sat around and, uh, not sat around, but, you know, I, I wrote the article, and honestly, this is one of the very few times when I wrote the article and I really didn't have an intended audience in mind. I was just like, I like it. I like this. It's interesting to me. And then I started thinking, well, you know, <clears throat> this might make a good script. So, depending on how it performs, um, will dictate whether or not I do more research and um, start writing this. Um, and... You know, and that's the thing, and that that's it came. I forgot who from, but it was it was at one of the writing digest conferences I went to. Um, um, the writer said, "I'm pretty sure it was a guy." He said, "What he does is, you know, even if it if it's a fiction book, he finds the germ of the idea." And starts writing about it. Um, if if it's based on a real story or if it's nonfiction, he'll write an article and try to sell it to magazines or other publications. Um, but he doesn't only to see if they're interested in buying. Although that is a good indicator that there might be a market for it. Um, he gauges the response to the article. If it goes viral, if it, you know, people are talking about it, if it's making headlines of its own, then he will go forth. So... I've, after I heard that, that's the kind of advice I started heeding. Because there's no better marketing than marketing you get paid for. And honestly, in 100% honesty here, um, 
you know, people will try to, um, encourage you just to do paid advertising ads, um, you know, TV ads, um, buying ads on your website, um, buying ads on social media, and those work. But, there's nothing like organic marketing where people are just genuinely interested in what you have to say. Um, there's been a rise lately in using webinars as a marketing tool. And, you know, I, I won't, I, I won't lie, I've done those. Um, one of the techniques I used was actually cribbed from one of the webinars I, I watched. The problem with those is the sales pitch at the end is always so hard. Um, you know, the sales pitches are always so cringeworthy that I just roll my eyes. Um, the technique that I cribbed, though, was, again, just using organic marketing um, and seeing what is selling, what is on the way up. I predicted the rise of the zombie trend. And, you know, this is not bragging. But I I predicted the rise of the zombie trend before it actually hit. Um, I also predicted um, the erotica boom when I first heard about um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, now there, of course, were quite a few I'd missed. The Rise of the Cozy Mystery uh, was quite surprising to me. Um, but I wasn't really looking at that, to be honest. Uh, my next prediction is Noir is going to be huge. I know some people are going to say, well, you know, there's always kind of that element always around. Yes and no. (coughs) Would not be an episode without me coughing. Um, But. um, Noir is always around. But it kind of fades into obscurity for a while. And I'm, I'm saying it's going to be pushed to the forefront. It's, it'll probably be big for like five years or so. Um, there will be a slew of movies and probably a couple TV shows. Um, with the concept. The problem with noir... Um, the only problem with noir is... Um, if it's a TV series, it has to be... Um, an anthology series because you can't push um, the story beyond its natural ending point like you can with some of the other genres. Um, But that's my prediction. And I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. And as has happened every day this week, and um, will likely well will happen tomorrow. And um, Friday will probably be dedicated all to um, this Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth breakup story. Um, uh, obviously, the story is closing out the um, the show today. And I, I, I'm a little, um, 
I'm getting my bearings back because I just recorded 10 minutes of this and Anchor just suddenly quit on me, so I was not very pleased. (laughs) Um, you know, but that kind of thing always happens. So, uh, with celebrity breakups, there's usually one, one of the participants takes a lot of the heat. Um, in the Channing Tatum, Jenna Dewin breakup, Channing took a lot of the heat um, for allegedly cheating on her. Um, he didn't help his case, as um, same with Miley, by moving on to another relationship fairly quickly. Um... Uh, and, you know, the same thing with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner. Ben Affleck took a lot of the hit um, when it came to um, th- their breakup. But in that case, he actually deserved it. So, um, as opposed to Miley, who actually doesn't really deserve the heat she's taking for the breakup with Liam Hemsworth. Um, you know, there's, there is a contingent of people out there who, who are saying that she shouldn't, she shouldn't be working, she shouldn't be doing anything, she should be at home, acting like a wife, um, presumably they mean with her legs in the air, pregnant, and having his babies, because that's what he wants. Now, and we're going to talk more about this later, we don't know what they decided on when they got married or when they reignited their relationship. Um, So, there's always going to be this contingent where you you really have to wonder um, what, what was agreed upon, what did the couple talk about? Um, and sort to say, no, it's, it wasn't Miley's social life that broke them up. So stop saying that. Um, here is, um, here's what one set of sources is saying. That Miley is acting like the old Miley again. And saying that Liam wants a normal, settled-down life. However, those sources don't seem to be actually in on what was happening. Because they're saying, not so fast. Um, They're saying she's as healthy as she's ever been. And focusing on her music. So, um, you know, one of the things that I was, one of the things I talked about in the, in the segment that was, that just abruptly stopped recording on me, is that society has this really weird notion of every couple is monogamous. You see two people walking down the street and you automatically assume that they are a a monogamous couple and that um, that they're a monogamous couple and that they you know, never mess around or anything. The truth of the matter is, is we don't know what people do. Um, you know, they could have an open relationship. They could, um, they could uh, honestly be monogamous. Or, as uh, David Sedera says, they could be monogamish. Which is basically saying, you know, we love one another. We're together. Um, but 
if if one of us happens to make a mistake one night while we're drunk or, you know, we're on a business trip and we have needs that are met or that need to be met, it happens. Be honest about it and let's work through it together. Um, And that's always really a possibility, too. Um, That being said, the sources say that um, Miley and Liam did actually agree to a monogamous relationship. Um, Here's what they say about those pictures of Miley and Caitlin Carter kissing. Miley was never unfaithful. She never hooked up with girls while she was married. It wasn't part of the relationship. And then said, there was no hooking up behind his back or with his knowledge. Now, there is, there in my mind, there's still some question, um, why they, why they closed in on girls and very specifically said there was no hooking up with girls. Um... However, I, um, I, I'm not going to read too far into that for, for one reason, one reason only. The second part of it was very emphatic that there was no cheating, um, or there was no hooking up and that it wasn't part of the relationship. So, um... I'm I'm going to probably guess that um it it really wasn't an unfaithful situation. That being said, um Brody, Liam, Miley, and Caitlin were all very good friends. They were neighbors in Malibu. Um and as such, um, they would hang out together. And let me let the source speak. Um, Miley and Liam would always be hanging out with Caitlin and Brody in Malibu. Okay, um, this is the part where it stopped recording last time. Um, Miley and Caitlin, Miley and Liam would always be hanging out with Caitlin and Brody in Malibu. They would party at Soho Beach, Malibu, and they mostly drink rosé. And, okay, you know, um, this is the part where I would have plugged Any Day Rosé had they, you know, kept sponsoring me. But, no, they chose to end the sponsorship, so no plug for them. (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't a... I don't think it was anything I did or... And I'm certainly not angry with them. I have, I made a lot of money off of them. Um, but still no plug. I only plug Apple in the hopes of... Eventually... Apple paying me to... Um, Apple paying me to plug them. Um... Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Back to Miley. Um, those same sources say that Liam is very frustrated with speculation that Miley cheated on him because it's just simply not true. Um, Um, he's totally blindsided by the media maelstrom brewed up by their breakup. And um, one of his friends actually said, was there a relationship paradise? Of course not. But a lot of what is being reported is bullshit. Uh, and of course it is. Uh, one of the things I said earlier um, in in this segment and in the recorded segment is, 
um, people really expected Miley to just be a stay-at-home wife. That is what they expect of women once they get married. Uh, and maybe that's what Liam wanted. Uh, certainly, um, blind gossip seems to, and you'll hear about this tomorrow, blind gossip certainly seems to have gone that way and saying, you know, he's very traditional. He believes in a very settled home life. Um, he wanted to start having babies and whatever. And Miley just was not about that. She was more about um, focusing on her career and getting that done. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. So... Um, you know, I, we, we talk a lot about, um, what each, each couple wants, but sometimes it really does boil down to what each individual wants. It's not always what both want. If one wants kids and the other doesn't, you can't force them to have kids. Um... You know, and if you do, you're just a douche. Male or female. If you, tr- if you force someone to have kids, you're a douche. And I'm sorry, but there's no other way of saying that. Um, you know, that, that's all there is to it. Um, so, in, in terms of schedule for the week, um, which I should have done, but I don't, um, we're gonna do the Throwback Thursday, um, segment tomorrow, um, with Miley and Liam as the center of that, because you guys really seemed to enjoy it last week with Nathan Fillion, um, and Friday, I need to try to find... There's a Hunger Games blind and what happened on the set of the Hunger Games. Um, which directly relates to the Liam Hemsworth, Miley Cyrus relationship. So I'm going to try to find that. Because I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, to look at. And there's going to be, obviously, a deep dive into Miley Cyrus and the Liam Hemsworth breakup. I don't know if that's going to be this weekend or if it's going to be um, sometime next week. Um, With that, I will have to let you know. But for right now, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you all so much for listening as always. And until next time, cheers.